And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Solid, conservative, just plain right. Saving the world one soundbite at a time. Um, I, I got some textures going on right now. Tony from Piedmont, appreciate your service, man. Thanks for letting me know where you've been and what you've done. Uh, absolutely. I love having all these veterans in our audience. Um, uh, Susan from Elkwant uh, just texted in and said, um, to go with the previous short story, I should also read one called The Fable of the Ducks and the Hens. I guess I better look that up, but uh, we'll see. Um, and then Ron from Huntsville had a question. He said, how are they going to deal? This is talking about pot, pot again. How are they going to deal with a period of time that pot shows positive weeks after ingestion, unlike alcohol? Are you considered under the influence even though you took it weeks ago and still have a positive test? I don't know the answer to your question, Ron. I'm sure one of the geniuses at the new branch of government called the Cannabis Commission and their lobbyists at the Cannabis Association will, um, will certainly have the answers for us. We'll see. Okay. All right. Hey, let's move on. Uh, number two in the Triple Dipper, border wars. For all practical purposes, we don't have a border right now, by the way. Uh, we have a notional geographic location. Uh, we have a spot on a map. We have a grid line, if you will. You can, you can pull the lat longs and see where the legal borders are of the United States, where our taxing authority stops. You can see where we can't step over the line without then incurring the wrath of a different version of the law because it's Mexico. But for the purposes of coming and going, nada. Ain't nothing. Nothing stopping people from massing at the border. And by the way, make no mistake, this is not, we're not looking at just um, illegal immigrants. It's mass migration, literally mass migration. Uh, a while back, I did a study uh, on the show, uh, or like a, like a segment on the show. I, I called it the fall of Rome. And I went through what historians believe were the characteristics or, or things that occurred that led to the fall of Rome. When the, when the, when the Roman Empire basically crumbled and lost its influence and, and became a shell of its former self. You know, at one point, the, the Roman Empire was, the, was the, the ruler of the known world. Among the various aspects of societal evolution that caused the downfall of Rome, one of them was uncontrolled mass migration and the loss of their borders. Yes, I kid you not. So you look at this and go, dang, it looks way too familiar. So first of all, do know this. Title 42, and to refresh those who are not aware, Title 42 was the Trump-era border restriction that was put in place uh, as a part of the uh, response to the pandemic, the COVID pandemic. It basically allowed Customs and Border Patrol to turn back certain people quickly and without difficulty because they were considered to be a potential threat during the pandemic because of where they came from. All right. That's been at issue now for a while because the President of the United States says the pandemic has ended. The vaccine mandate, even for the military, has now been lifted. We've proven that, you know, the, the COVID vaccine is notional at best and doesn't seem to equate to, you know, curing society. Maybe, maybe it reduces symptoms, depends on who you talk to, but it certainly creates symptoms of its own. All that to say, we're relying upon Title 42 as one of the only legal tools that the Customs and Border Patrol men and women have to turn some people back when they get the hundreds and hundreds of thousands come swarming across the border. And Title 42 is about to be lifted. 
And there was a near panic by some of the communities down there along the edge of the uh, Mexican border. And they were, they were saying that we could expect anywhere from nine to 14,000 illegals crossing the border per day once they realized that Title 42 was gone. Per day, y'all. Per, do the math. Per day. Let's just round it to 10. If you have 10,000 a day, you're looking at upwards of 300,000 a month. A month. There is no border there. All of South and Central America and points beyond are just now here. So Title 42, um, there was a, an effort by some to uh, stop the administration from doing away with Title 42. Well, you know, on the one hand, I look at it and go, if you say the pandemic's over, then you can't keep using Title 42. But the administration wants to do away with it, but nobody else did. And there was a fight, a, a legal fight. And the lower courts, U.S. District Judge Emmett Sullivan, he called the application of the policy arbitrary and capricious and said you can't keep enforcing it when you say there's no pandemic. Okay. So they went to court, and the Supreme Court of the United States yesterday halted the removal of Title 42. Title 42 will remain in effect. Title 42 will be in place to at least February, we know, because they're going to wind up taking it up. The Supreme Court is taking it up, which is a, basically a, a phraseology that means they've agreed to hear the arguments why Title 42 should or should not be maintained. They won't have a decision back till June-ish. So we can look at this thing being in place now for at least another six months. That's good news. But I'll be honest with you. I question why the Supreme Court had to be put in that position in the first place. We'll talk about it. Border Wars. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We'll be right back. back. Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here in the studios for hour number two. I'm talking about this show covers some ground across the northern part of the state, down south of Birmingham to way up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi, all thrown in just for good measure. So I had a piece here a moment ago, um, and I was talking about Title 42. And, you know, on the one hand, I'll be honest with you, on the one hand, I'm relieved. And I know the Customs and Border Patrol is relieved. I know the, the border communities are relieved. And people all over the nation, truthfully, are relieved. The Supreme Court of the United States decided not to arbitrarily just look aside. They're going to they're gonna hear the merits of the case. I'm relieved. But on the other hand, i got to tell you, I, every once in a while, I wonder, what would I do if I had the judicial acumen to actually be a Supreme Court justice. I don't think I do, personally. I'm, I may be an attorney, but I don't try to pretend that I'm a legal expert. Um, and th those, those folks on the Supreme Court typically are uh, a notch above, and they should be. They should be. 
because they're deciding things that wind up transcending time, if you know what I mean. All that to say, I'm relieved that they upheld Title 42 at least temporarily, but I question why they had to be put in that spot. Here's the deal. Fox News has an article. They talk about the dissent. All right, so the dissent is usually the opinion rendered by those justices who don't agree with whatever the outcome is. You have the, um, you have the, uh, the majority opinion, and then you have the dissent. And they don't always even issue a dissent, but sometimes they write a dissent because they want to go on the record or they want to clarify why they thought they were not you know, uh, listened to or why the law said something differently or how it should be construed or for that matter, like Justice Thomas said, where he, he basically, uh, with regards to New York Times v. Sullivan, said at one point he believes it's time to revisit. Um, so Supreme Court Justices Neil Gorsuch and Ketanji Brown-Jackson made an unlikely team on Tuesday, according to Fox News, against the majority opinion to indefinitely keep Title 42 in place while the high court considers arguments from uh, 19 Republican-led states. So Gorsuch is a Trump appointee, remember that. And he wrote the dissent. He was joined, though, by Ketanji Brown-Jackson, who was appointed by Biden. They are on polar opposites, typically, of both the liberal conservative spectrum when it comes to the interpretation of the laws. But they agree on this. They don't believe it was the place of the Supreme Court to interact with this issue at all. The two justices argued that the Biden administration and Congress have failed to adequately address the immigration crisis that is likely coming after Title 42 is vacated, but they wrote that it's not the Supreme Court's job to issue policies where elected leaders fail. See, that's, that's, so, that's so true. Um, now, the, the rest of the court, Justice Roberts, Alito, uh, Kavanaugh, uh, Coney Barrett, and uh, Thomas all agreed to hear the challenge, uh, and they'll deal with it. And I suspect that Title 42 will not be upheld because the pandemic is over. But here's the quote from Gorsuch that really got me. I love this. This is so well said. He said, for my part, I do not discount the state's concerns. Even the federal government acknowledges that the end of Title 42 orders will likely have disruptive con consequences. But the current border crisis is not a COVID crisis, and courts should not be in the business of perpetuating administrative edicts designed for one emergency only because elected officials have failed to address a different emergency. We are a court of law, not policymakers of last resort. What a great, what a great line. And how do you argue with that? I say all the time, I don't want to see judicial activism. And I agree with that. So on the one hand, I'm like, whew, dodge that bullet, Title 42, six more months. On the other hand, I look at it and go, it's not their job to set policy. It's not their job to legislate. And yet, that's what they're being asked to do. Because nobody in Congress wants to deal with it. And nobody in the administration wants to do anything about it. And so here we are going, hey, uh, Supreme Court, can you, can you throw us a bone? And that's what they're doing. Other things regarding the southern border that you may find interesting. Did you know? Um, the White House, according to TheBlaze.com, it says the headline here is, The White House is enraged, not by 2.37 million illegal aliens, but by the 130 of them who were bused to Kamala Harris's house. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, storyline from yesterday. 
Apparently, over the Christmas weekend, Texas Governor Greg Abbott allegedly sent three buses full of criminal non-citizens to Vice President Kamala Harris's residence over the weekend. A small reminder of the ongoing crisis faced by Americans in border towns. Of course, Democrats said, you left them out there to freeze in record 15-degree weather. Mm. They shouldn't have been here in the first place. And, oh, by the way, they were met by uh, people who provided them shelter and took them to uh, local churches and other things where they got blankets and they're, you know, they're, they're fine. But that being said, 130, 130, by comparison to the 465,000 who came in the country so far in this fiscal year, which, by the way, just started in October. So 130 rolled up in front of Harris's Washington residence at the Naval Observatory on Christmas Eve, and it's a freakout from the left. Yeah, well, they can continue to freak out. Meanwhile, you got hundreds and hundreds of thousands crossing the border, overwhelming border communities and overwhelming our Customs and Border Patrol. So I don't know. Here's an idea. Make a plan and decide what you're going to do about it. I got an audio clip for you. Boomer, I tell you what, you ready, man, on these audio clips? You give me the thumbs up. Uh, Let's do audio clip number one is Brandon Judd. He's the president of the National Border Council. And he had some choice words for the administration that refuses to do anything to help the rank-and-file members of Customs and Border Patrol that he is speaking for. Play it. Well, my understanding is there were some 16,000 border encounters over the weekend. Only 2,000 or so where did they use Title 42 to invoke the deportation of these people. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the problem. What's overdue is this president actually giving us policies and programs that's going to allow us to secure the border. Right now, if you look at Title 42, we've completely gutted it. Even though the Supreme Court said that that we have to keep it in place in the meantime, we're only expelling about a third of the people. That's why we have this explosion. If you look at Christmas, we just set a new record for Christmas Day apprehensions, and it wasn't even close. And that's the problem with this president and this administration. No new policies, no new programs, no new operations. The border continues to be absolutely out of control. We're apprehending eight times what we should be apprehending. There's more drugs flowing into the country than ever before. All of this is complete chaos, and this this president is going on vacation. What's overdue is for him to give us the actual policies and programs that we need. And and by the way, he pointed out the president's on vacation. The president left yesterday for his entire family for St. Croix. He's in the Virgin Islands having a good time. Um... So you think about this. Okay, that was the guy who represents Customs and Border Patrol. He's the president of the Border Patrol Association, the National Border Patrol Council. I'm sorry. I mean, he is, he is authorized to speak on behalf of the rank and file. He can say things they can't say because they're in uniform. And he's saying it pretty strongly. Do something. Make a plan. Give us something to work with. Well, okay, they just passed a $1.7 trillion omnibus spending bill. 4,155 pages of government spending. Surely, the goodness, it included something that gives them the ability to, I don't know, secure the border. No. So here's the deal. Story on centersquare.com, dated December 21st, just a few days ago. The $1.7 trillion omnibus bill that's over 4,155 pages long includes hundreds of millions of dollars to fund border security, but in other countries. So Democrats were joined by 21 Republican senators to advance the bill. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said on Tuesday, 
I'm pretty proud of the fact that with a Democratic president, Democratic House, and Democratic Senate, we were able to achieve through this omnibus spending bill essentially all of our priorities. Okay, those priorities did not include border protection here. According to the article, the bill would also fund increased processing and transportation of illegal foreign nationals throughout the U.S. All right, so wait a minute. So what we're talking about is it, it increased funding, but it increased funding to help get them processed and into the U.S., not to stop them from coming in. The bill clearly states, here's the verbiage. You ready? This is actual quotes from the bill. The bill states, quote, none of the funds shall be used to hire permanent federal employees for any flight hours other than those flown by U.S. and Customs Border Protection Air and Marine Operations, except for internal transportation of non-citizens, or to acquire, maintain, or extend border security technology and capabilities, except for technology to improve Border Patrol processing. What you just heard there is you can fly illegals elsewhere in the U.S., but you can't fly the border as oversight and reconnaissance. You can hire all kinds of IRS agents, but you're not allowed to hire new Customs and Border Patrol agents. And oh, by the way, you can extend border security and technologies except or you cannot extend border security and technologies unless it's for Border Patrol processing of illegals. That's unreal. But you'll be gratified to know there was $410 million in that bill to provide border security to the countries of Jordan, Lebanon, Egypt, Tunisia, and Oman. I, 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 don't, know how to, I don't know how to explain that. I, I don't know that it can be explained. To me, it feels like negligence. It feels like a, it, I, I hate to use this phrase because I feel like Democrats overuse it, but it feels like a slap in the face. Literally, it feels like a complete slap. Why would Republicans help join in on this bill, knowing full well the needs of those border communities, and do nothing? But Kamala Harris is going to get upset when 130 show up at her front door. She didn't invite them in, by the way. Uh, Kevin Roberts, but yeah, clip number two, bud. Clip number two. Kevin Roberts is the president of the Heritage Foundation. He points out that we did have policies that were working until recently. Um, and he also points out, by the way, the impact on every county in America. Play clip two. The idiocy, and I use that term intentionally, the idiocy of the president of the United States, not just going on vacation, but deciding to your point, Jason, that we're not even going to observe the rule of law. This has not only a great tragedy as it relates to the people crossing the border, illegal aliens, but as our Heritage Foundation research showed a couple of weeks ago, literally, Every county in this country has received illegal aliens. This is a national problem that the president's trying to sweep under the rug. All we have to do is go back to the, the process and the approach that was working but two years ago. But two years ago, we had systems in place that were actually working, and they were completely dismantled by the Biden administration. They own this. If Trump had messed something up, I'd be glad to say it. And there were aspects of, you know, the way Trump handled COVID that I didn't like. So I'll say those kind of things. I just called out a while ago Republican Congressman George Santos up in New York for being a liar on his resume. I get it. I'll call out both sides when I see something wrong. It was Republicans I was excoriating earlier about the bill they passed on medical marijuana. However, in this case, the Biden administration owns this one in full. They are the ones destroying the policies that were actually working on the border, and they were the ones who, by the way, were going down there to cry at the border. Remember Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez crying at the border because of the unjust 
situations she found where they were being detained, children in cages. Where is she now? Nowhere to be seen. Shoes on the other foot now, huh? You own this. You're supposed to be governing, and they're not. Take us to a break, Boomer. We will take the break right now. We will come right back and wrap this up. And then top of the hour, you're going to want to stay tuned. The Grand Council with myself, Jeff Poor, and Dale Jackson. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Me and Boomer, right back. We are back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, covering all of North Alabama. Solid conservative, just plain right, saving the world one soundbite at a time. Hey, listen, folks, before I go too much further, uh, let me let me just stop and, and pause and, and remind you, the folks at Riley and Jackson Law Firm, uh, they are friends of mine. I've worked with them on issues. I've worked with them on cases. They are solid. They know what they're doing. I feel comfortable advising you that they are working on some cases you might want to know about. Number one, if you were ever at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, maybe you were there as a service member in training or permanent duty station on TDY, doesn't matter, or maybe a service member is dependent, or for that matter, a contractor. All that to say, between 1953 and 1987, they are, they are finding now that there's like 19 different illnesses attributed to a confirmed contaminated water that was known about and should have been dealt with. Well, Riley and Jackson is working that issue. They'll be glad to advise you as to whether or not you may have a claim. Another one that they're working on, though, they want me to tell you guys about, is firefighting foam. Go figure, firefighting foam. So there's a version of firefighting foam that has now been determined to be carcinogenic. And if you have been a firefighter yourself or in the military using firefighting foam, you may have been exposed to a carcinogenic version of the foam that could result in you being eligible for a claim. Well, anyway, here's the bottom line. You want to call them. Riley and Jackson. You talk to a real person. They will not string you along. They'll tell you whether they believe you qualify for a claim or not, and they won't charge you for the phone call. They will not actually get paid unless they get a claim awarded to you. All right? Here's their, here's their phone number. Riley and Jackson, 205-879-5000. That's Riley and Jackson, 205 879 5,000. Do me a favor. Tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio because I get the biggest kick out of people telling me, yeah, we got more of your folks that called in. Good deal. All right. Um, I am in number two of the Triple Dipper, wrapping this thing up here in the next few minutes. Top of the hour, we're going to the Grand Council with my brethren, Dale Jackson and Jeff Poor. Uh, so, yeah, uh, wrapping this up, the border wars, a couple things that I find uh, rather interesting. So, first of all, you know, one of the things that's happened is that the claims for asylum have just ramped up. Well, New York Post, as of yesterday's date, reports that the backlog of U.S. asylum claims now tops 1.5 million. Wow. You got a backlog of a million and a half people seeking asylum. Well, when they're seeking asylum, they're basically just released into the United States and told to show up at a future date for a hearing. And we'll see if they really ever show up. Uh, so, so, yeah. 
The number of pending asylum applications has exploded in the past 10 years, it says, according to an analysis of federal data uh, by a clearinghouse at Syracuse University. And fears are growing that if Title 42 is lifted later, that this windup could be something that would just go exponentially even more. The number of asylum seekers, 1.565 million, is split between those who are waiting for hearings and those who are waiting for hearings before the USCIS, uh, Customs or Citizenship and Immigration Services. So it's Department of Justice and USCIS that are sharing the load. Anyway, all this is saying there, there are so many of them. They can't even keep up. The backlog is 1.5 million. All right, what else is happening on the southern border that you may or may not have heard about? You've heard about the numbers. I mean, Fox News reporting again that a couple weeks ago, or excuse me, a couple of days ago, we were at 575,000 migrant encounters since October 1st. That's huge. Well over half a million just since the beginning of the fiscal year. I mean, we're, we're not even at the end of a quarter yet. So if you got... If you got, by the end of this quarter, we're going to be at over 600,000. If you got that many and it stays on that same trajectory, then you could look at, just with Title 42 still being in place, you could look at what? 1.8 million, 3.6 million. Good Lord. Those numbers are huge. And the fentanyl crisis that comes with it is not just the human capital, because we do have people dying trying to get across, and we do have people dying because they get across, and we do have people dying because of the trafficking of drugs across the border as well. Fentanyl is out of control. Well, you would think, though, that that would mean, whew, you know what? The drug crisis is out of control. we got to do what we can for interdiction. I mean, at the very least, make them work for it. Right now, it's just a matter of, it's like a walk in the park. Well, one of the means by which we have been sort of shepherding the southern border has been with the use of twin-engine RC-26 aircraft. It's a mostly National Guard-flown U.S. Air Force or Air National Guard asset. It's a small surveillance plane. Um, in fact, the weird thing is uh, Representative Adam Kinzinger, who is no, I'm no fan of, he's a pilot of an RC-26. I didn't know that. Uh, in the Air National Guard. Anyway, the Biden administration is ending that program. They're actually scrapping the RC-26 altogether, even though Congress has asked them not to. The Air Force is saying, yep, we're not only doing it, we're accelerating the um, doing away with it. <laughs> just gonna, we're not even going to wait till we said we do it next year. We're just going to do it now. Stop flying now. RC-26, no more drug interdiction flights. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, coming up next, the Grand Council, Jeff Poor, Dale Jackson, and me. Y'all stay tuned.